0: I feel like it's almost harder for a woman like to be supported by other women in Japan to some extent because I don't think it's a common I don't think it's a common idea that Japanese women want to change for their conditions for themselves.
1: Every episode we unpack one controversial opinion about the Japanese mindset, culture and custom. Today's controversial statement explores feminism in Japan. From Human Burrito Productions, I'm your host, Kaho Koda, and this is Controversial Japan. Fanny is a French woman living in Tokyo. She was born and raised in France, and she never really had a fascination towards Japan. She joked in our interview that moving to Japan was quite random. During her bachelor's, she knew she wanted to go overseas, and since her university had a Euro-Asia program, she decided to do a double degree with a Japanese university, and that's how she moved to Japan. She currently works for a French startup company, located in Tokyo, in the energy sector. And wow. She explained to me how she got there, and I was very impressed. She's killing it. Fanny joined her French company when they wanted to open their first branch in Japan. She spent a few months in Paris to get to know the business, and she worked closely with a Japanese team. When people ask me, like,
0: when did you learn the most Japanese? When did you get um, the most fluent in Japanese? It's actually these four months in France with this Japanese team. Because it was for work, and it was the first time that I really needed to be speaking and to be understanding what they were saying. Uh, So yeah, funny enough, I think my Japanese improved the most when I was in France with this Japanese team.
1: After she finished her training in Paris, Fanny moved back to Tokyo. It started with her renting a co-working space and working alone. But one by one, she hired Japanese employees, and a year ago, they moved into their own office in downtown Shibuya. Now she has about a dozen employees working for the Japanese branch. Since her job is in the energy sector, her clients are big utility companies. And in the early days of the Japanese branch, when she was working solo, she basically had to convince these big utility companies to partner with her company.
0: When I first came back here alone, I had to meet some potential partners and try to convince them to work with us and maybe two or three times. So I was first exchanging emails and writing my name in Katakana or just Romaji. So the partners would not necessarily know like if Fanny is a female or male name. And I remember two or three times arriving at the office and <laughs> and it's just so funny that they would say it straight away, but they would just tell me in Japanese, like, oh, I thought it would be a man. <laughs> and it's just like so... I wouldn't say innocent, but it's just that it's so natural for them to say so, like they, they cannot even think that it would be shocking
1: to say that straight away. She proved to the potential partners that she had what it takes and eventually signed them on as clients. She said that she had absolutely no issues with the partners. And it was actually rewarding for her to convince them to work with her company. She's proud of that. And yeah, I'm impressed. She's such a boss. But then again, Fanny understands that her being French and international, in other words, not Japanese, could have been a factor. She said that if she were a Japanese woman, it could have been harder to convince them. Feminism is a topic that she often discusses with her Japanese boyfriend. It first came up early in their relationship. Fanny said that he paid for everything during their first couple of dates, and she was getting uncomfortable to be treated all of the time. And so one evening, she said she was going to the bathroom and paid the bill in secret. And he got upset.
0: I remember doing this, and I remember him being really, like, shocked and not really understanding, like, oh, like, did I do something bad or like, do you not want to see me anymore? And I was like, no, on the contrary, like, I just appreciate being with you, but I don't want you to be treating me all the time. Like, I want to show you that I'm also like an independent person and that you don't have to care for me so much all the time.
1: Fanny explained to me that he had a specific image when it came to romantic relationships. The man has to pay for everything. He explained to Fanny that his mom never paid anything before she married his dad. A bit of an extreme example, but That's what he was expecting for his relationship as well. Now, a couple years later, he appreciates Fanny paying her share. They love having discussions, like the topic of feminism. At the very beginning, though, he didn't quite understand the concept of feminism itself.
0: He was so not introduced or so not understanding the concept of feminism and of what it means, what it is, and what it represents. And I think just by prejudice or like by a priori, he was really reluctant to listen about it or to know about it because for him it was just like, oh, that sounds like uh," almost aggressive to him, like that sounds like just a woman that are shouting at me and telling me what to do, and that sounds
1: painful. Fanny explained to him the qualities that he liked about her that was part of feminism that he claimed to dislike. They pay rent equally. They divide chores around the house. He cooks more than she does because, according to Fanny, she's not the best cook. He loves how independent and strong she is, but... It is funny to try to explain to him, and I was kind of
0: shocked by how the first image he had of just this word, feminism, and this idea was so negative. And so like, oh, that's, that sounds like something really bad kind of, uh, kind of reaction at first.
1: Even in the Western world, the fight for gender equality is ongoing. There are progressive countries out there, but there's still so much work to do but in Japan Fanny had to start with defining the word feminism. Fanny also thinks that it's not just the men who are reluctant to change. It's actually also the women. Talking to some
0: Japanese like
1: women I realized some Japanese women even young
0: people around me like don't necessarily want the situation to change actually. And kind of like don't enjoy or don't like, don't appreciate women who are trying to be different or who are trying to be standing up for changes or who are trying to criticize uh, Japanese society. And I feel like it's almost harder for women, like, to be supported by other women in Japan to some extent because I don't think it's a common, I don't think it's a common idea that Japanese women want to change for their conditions for themselves.
1: Fanny is saying that it's not just the men who are uncomfortable with feminism, some women are too, and they don't want the situation to change. Today I want to discuss feminism in Japan. First, let's dig a little further and investigate why some Japanese women don't support feminism, and later we'll get into other factors that deter gender equality. First off, I want to introduce the word joshiroku. Have you ever heard of this word before? Joshiroku directly translates to girl power. You might think, oh, that's a great word to describe feminism. Girl power. Yeah. Here's Natsumi discussing the
2: word. I really dislike the way that joshiroku is used in Japan. So joshiroku, if you just look at the characters, It actually means girl power, right? It's a completely different thing in the Western world. Like girls, you know, standing up for themselves, doing what they want, like, you know, all of that. (laughs) Whereas in Japan, it's basically qualities to become a good housewife, I think, is my view on it.
1: There are many ways to explain joshiroku, girl power, but having a high level of joshiroku means you possess traits of a beautiful Japanese woman. Some are physical characteristics and some are, I agree with Natsumi, qualities of a good housewife. Here are some examples of having joshiroku, wearing a feminine outfit and looking beautiful, a skinny physique, getting your nails done, having gorgeous hair, good at cleaning, cooking a delicious meal,
2: I enjoy cooking for myself, or for people too, but I I enjoy it because, you know, I like to eat good food. I had so many people tell me in high school, like, Oh my gosh, like, you love cooking, you're gonna be like, like, you know, you have a good good女子力,女子力高いね, right? And then being like, Oh, you're gonna be such a good wife. Like, I'm not cooking to become a good wife. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I, I'm cooking because I want to eat good food for myself and give people good food, not necessarily because I see becoming a good wife and cooking well as my end goal, right? But like every single time. Like, oh, I like cooking. Oh my gosh, wife material.
1: The term Joshiroku is supposed to be a compliment. When people say it out loud, it's usually with good intention. And not having Joshiroku, girl power, is supposed to be an insult. Joshiroku, girl power, was a buzzword back in 2009. And the words are used frequently amongst women. I'm also guilty of using the word joshiroku amongst my female friends back in high school. We would say that about ourselves like, Ugh, I have split ends in my hair. I need to increase my joshiroku and go to a hair salon
2: ASAP. You need to be in a certain way to be a good be a good female, be a good female, be a good wife or whatever. Like you feel like, oh, that should be my end goal. That is where my life is leading me to. And it's really limiting.
1: Magazines bombard teenagers with titles like how to increase your joshiruku. And multiple media sources tell you to increase your joshiruku by wearing trendy outfits and behaving girly. Hair removal ads, diet pills, and breast enhancement bras. The common narrative is By using this product, you can look good for your boyfriend. And that kind of ad actually exists, by the way. Some teenagers believe it. I believed it. We follow it and obsess over it. And when we see a friend looking great, we compliment by saying, Wow, you have so much joshiroku girl power. At a certain point, it unconsciously became my goal when I was a teen. I wanted to look good and feel good. To have joshiroku to have quote-unquote girl power.
2: It's a very supporting role function, what it embodies. That's what I really dislike, the cooking part. Well, cooking isn't supporting, but, you know, it's it's providing for people. It, it sounds silly, but, you know, having, like, tissues or a handkerchief or, like, plasters on you all the time, like, being able to support people in need. It's not you going out and doing something for yourself, like you would think when you hear girl power. It's being able to you know, care for people, to provide for people.
1: The ideal Japanese woman makes delicious meals. She won't talk back. She's understanding. She's beautiful. She's calm. She supports her
0: husband. He was so not introduced to so not understanding the concept of feminism and
1: of what it means, what it is, and what it represents. Here's Fanny from our main story again, talking about her Japanese boyfriend
0: reluctant to listen about it or to know about it because for him it was just like, oh, that sounds like uh," almost aggressive to him. Like that sounds like just a woman that are shouting at me and telling me what to do. And
1: that sounds painful. When a Japanese man thinks of feminism, they imagine women who are screaming for gender equality. They are loud, too loud, unladylike. They're not calm, they're threatening. A woman who stands for feminism who stands for gender equality is the opposite of the ideal Japanese woman. I interviewed someone who struggled with this image of the ideal Japanese woman. Eddie went to an all girls school. Because all her peers were female, she didn't experience the gender divide until she got to university. In a Japanese university, it's common to join a sakuru, basically an extracurricular activity, and Eddie joined the tennis club. The Sakura is not just meant for a specific activity. Obviously, they play tennis as the tennis club, but the club also plans get-togethers, drinks, and outings. Joining these kinds of clubs is a way for university students to make friends with common interests. Eri recounted the tennis club getaway weekend she went to. After playing tennis and being active all day, she was hungry. She stood up for seconds after she finished her first serving. And when she stood up, she felt the other females glaring at her.
3: When when we had dinner or lunch, every time we eat, I wanted to eat more because it was like the food that we had was really, really good. And then the moment I would stand up to get like extra bowl of rice or something, all the other girls around me, they would look at me with these eyes saying like, what are you doing? And it's this peer pressure that you have amongst girls, like we're girls, we're delicate, and we're fragile. And you know, we don't really eat a lot. And we're all cute. And, you know, that kind of so I was kind of breaking that harmony that they were creating altogether. But I wanted to eat more and I was more hungry. And so it's it's just some simple things like these. But I think Just these simple actions that I do, or whatever I say, would break the harmony of of a lot of people.
1: You know, it kind of destroys their peace. She wasn't conforming to the ideal Japanese woman role. She was breaking the harmony. In episode one, we talked about kyochose, meaning being cooperative and harmonious. It's a desirable personality trait in Japan, and that concept applies here too. She said that she was breaking the harmony or the illusion of ladies with a small appetite that her female friends were creating in front of the men. She became self-aware with whatever she did or said, and she said it started to feel suffocating. She wanted to know why her female friends conformed to their ideal Japanese woman roles. So then I asked a lot of my girlfriends,
3: like, why do you do this and that? For example, like, aren't you hungry? Don't you want to eat more? If you don't like heels, why do you wear heels? At first, they would all say like, oh, because everyone is doing it. And then I would ask them like, why do you think everyone's doing it? And then they'd be like, well, isn't it scary to stand out? Also, then a lot of people would actually say that they want to be noticed by the certain guys that they like. They're sure that the guys would like more of the the cute feminine girls. So in order to please the the guys or in order to speak to the guys, they feel that they need to be uh, more feminine and more cute. And that's why they kind of just put themselves in that position. So that was the the biggest findings that I had as like a freshman in university.
1: And that was, I don't know, that was like, that was really upsetting. Remember, Japan is a collectivist culture where people like to belong in a community. What the community thinks outweighs what the individual wants. In a society shaped like so, it's terrifying to stand out, so you blend in with the crowd. Rather than showing you have a big appetite, you don't ask for seconds. Eddie's demeanor was threatening the other woman. She lacked joshiroku, girl power. They didn't appreciate her breaking the harmony. This was upsetting for Eddie, but it didn't end there. Next up, other factors that hinder gender equality, tradition and etiquette, right after the break. Hey guys, writer and host Kaho here. Thanks for listening to episode four of Controversial Japan. If you've enjoyed the podcast so far, please help us out by purchasing our merch. When you buy a cute tote bag or a t-shirt, we can continue to produce more episodes for you to enjoy. Go to shop.humanburrito.com. And thanks for your support. Of course, other women are not the only factors that hinder gender equality. Tradition and etiquette also come into play. Eddie told me about a tradition in the tennis club. The baseball game with a rival university is one of the big events that the entire university takes pride in. So even if a student is not that interested in baseball, it's an event that students just go to for fun. The evening before this big baseball match, the tennis club has an evening planned. A tradition.
3: There is like a tradition in the tennis circle where the guys would go for a run around the Imperial Palace, I think, Gyeongbokgung. And then after that, they would do like a sports all-nighter, like sports. oru. It's
1: like a guy thing apparently. The Imperial Palace in the heart of Tokyo has a big park. All the men go for a run around the park, and later they head to this big entertainment facility. And there's a bunch of fun activities you can do there. Tennis, golf, soccer, trampoline, darts, table tennis, bowling, karaoke, kickboxing, archery, frisbee, roller skating. The list just goes on and on. They have multiple locations all over Japan and some are open all night depending on the day of the week. Anyway, the men have fun at this entertainment facility all night long and without sleep, they just head on to the big baseball game. Sounds fun, right? In the meantime, what do the women do?
3: And then while we do that, the girls are supposed to make bento boxes for all the people in the club who's coming to the baseball match the the next day.
1: While the men are having a blast playing all kinds of sports, the first-year women make lunches for everyone. Eddie explained that there were 10 females in her year who had to make bento boxes for 50 to 60 people overnight. And she didn't want to do that.
3: I wanted to join the sports one-nighter, because I thought it was so fun. And some of my guy friends, we, I mean, they wanted to join in for the cooking because they, they they like cooking and they wanted to like, you know, have fun just chatting, you know,
1: casually making, making food. Eddie and her male friends decided that they wanted to talk to their senpai about it. Senpai, we talked about this term in episode one in the work environment, but in this context, the term refers to her seniors in the tennis club. So
3: we brought this up to our senpai. Everyone told us that we're not allowed to change or we're not, we, we have to stick to what we, what roles we're given because it's the tradition. And they were like, what they were saying was literally, it's been like this for 51 years or something like that. It was like 51, 51st anniversary kind of. It's been like this for 51 years. So you can't change it. Otherwise, it's kind of like a disrespect to our Illuminati.
1: The men play sports, and the women cook all night before the big game. It's been like this for more than 50 years. It's tradition. We need to honor the tradition because breaking it is disrespectful to the alumni, to the senpais that came before them. It's tradition. Eddie was furious and in the end decided not to join the bento box group, but her male friends joined the other woman in the kitchen. She didn't have the courage to go against her senpais or the tradition. She said she didn't like it, but she also didn't want to create friction either. She said that the accumulation of these events made her realize that Japan was not the best place for her. She left. She lives in Denmark now. Tradition and etiquette also exist in the workplace. I spoke with Sanhi, a Korean woman who works in a Japanese company. She's lived in Japan since age four, so she told me she has more of a Japanese mindset. Workwise, she believes that she doesn't face any gender inequality. Quote, maybe when I have kids and go on maternity leave, it might be different, but for now I think we're treated equally, unquote. But then she told me what bothers her outside of the office. Something that happens over drinks with her colleagues and bosses after work. <laughs> Before I get into what Sanhi said, I need to explain the seating arrangement at the restaurant. Stay with me. It's important to note all of this. The idea of kamiza, the upper end of the table, and shimoza, the lower end of the table. Hierarchy in the Japanese office is also evident in the seating arrangement at a restaurant. In the upper end of the table, called kamiza, the bosses and senpais sit. These seats are further away from the entrance and are considered comfortable seats. The younger newcomers in the office sit at the lower end of the table, called shimoza. It's near the entrance or the most convenient place to make orders. In Japan, it's customary for one person to order various dishes for a big group because dishes are usually shared. You get to try a bit of everything. When the office workers arrive at the restaurant, they naturally sit according to what year they entered into the company, according to the hierarchy. If you're the boss or senpai in the group, you make your way to the kamiza, the upper end. And if you're new to the company, you sit towards the shimoza, the lower end. Sanhi told me that no one really tells you outright about the seating arrangements. But as a new employee, you follow what your senpai teaches you. And it happened somewhat naturally. At her first big get-together after work, a female senpai taught her how to order. Her female senpai gave sahi tips on how to order for a big group. And she followed what her female senpai taught her to do. She thought it was weird. She looked around the table and noticed how gendered the seating was. Of course, it's not a clear divide. The female bosses also sit at the upper end. But when she looked at her male colleagues, so the men who entered the company the same time as she did, so their equals, they were sitting close to the upper end of the table, where the senpais and bosses were seated, while all the females were sitting at the lower end to order food. The women were the ones to top off drinks. Her male colleagues didn't do that. She emphasized that it's not coerced, more so that's what the atmosphere is at her office. It's what's expected. She explained that there was a sense of discomfort. She didn't like it. She realized that the men were not taught how to order. It was just the women. She told me she googled it back then to learn why it was so gendered. And she read that these things were good manners. It's etiquette for the woman to order food and to top off everyone's drinks. I looked it up too. I found blogs from quote-unquote etiquette coaches. Yes, in case you're wondering, these titles exist in Japan. They give lectures and workshops on etiquette in the workplace and everyday life. Anyway, I read different articles, and many of them state that the seating arrangement is to show respect to your bosses and senpais. It's the respect to the hierarchy. It didn't talk about the gender divide. Until I found an etiquette blog post specifically for women. In the seating section of the blog post, it says, quote, Unless you are the boss of the entire group, as a woman, you should sit towards the Shimoza i.e. the lower end of the table, this doesn't mean that women are inferior to men. It's just that it's easier to order at the lower end, and it's easier to get to the washroom, Unquote. Women are not inferior to men, but women have to order food and look out for the group, while the male colleagues become more and more acquainted with their bosses and senpais. Ideal Japanese woman with good housewife qualities is a narrative that is kept alive amongst females. And in a conservative country like Japan, where people love to continue with tradition, change doesn't happen so fast. Chikako, who works at a prestigious Japanese publishing company in Tokyo, said that at this moment, she doesn't feel like she's being treated differently because she's a woman. But when she looks above, when she looks towards upper management, there are no women. She has hope, though. Times are changing. It's slow, but it's still a change. And we, women in our 20s and 30s, are in the midst of that change. Nowadays, it's getting more and more common for women to continue working after marriage. It's an option now. It's possible. She reflected that working after marriage was not an option for her mom's generation. For the baby boomers, it was common to leave work and become a housewife. She said, quote, I feel like we're on the verge of change,
0: unquote.
1: Chikako doesn't know if her company supports female employees who are mothers. Objectively speaking, she said that it seems like time management depends on the individual. She feels like the company and society won't necessarily help her. At the end of the day, it's up to you. Chikako's immediate boss is a working mother. Having a female leader is rare in her company, so she's thankful. She gets to see firsthand that if you want to make it work, you can. But it's up to you. Controversial Japan is produced by Human Brito Productions. We interviewed Fanny Brutode, Natsumi Funebiki, and anonymous individuals for this episode. Our sound designer is Junan, and you can listen to more of her tunes on Spotify. Our theme song, Coast to Coast, is by Mikara, and you can also check out our music via Spotify. Artwork by Macy Matthews. You can see more of Macy's design on her website, macymatthews.com. Technical support by Rizker Vink. If you'd like to support our podcast by purchasing our merch, designed by the talented Macy Matthews, who also created our podcast cover, visit our web store, shop.humanbrito.com. Check out our website for more info at humanbrido.com. And if you'd like to send us a message, you can email us at humanbridoproductions@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We'll be back with more controversial opinions about Japan. Till next time. writes poetry and sings to me while he plays his old guitar i the stars.